Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? Well, um, I was feeling the energy of this uh, super flower blood moon that we were supposed to see last night. And like, I was excited about it because besides sounding very minstrel, this is the closest the moon has come to earth this year. And for the first time in six years, it was combined with a total lunar eclipse. And I was just like very pumped about it. All my friends were like texting about it. And then I forgot to, <laughs> I forgot to look out my window. <laughs> to be fair, I feel like they're slicing these moons into ever thinner like events like now it's like it's the closest that moon has been to saturn in three days and we're calling it the super bloody fleshy <laughs> wound moon like <laughs> i know good for you for missing it good for you that's a that's a whoever, i guess that's a yup whoever okay. cares about it that's a nope and this is nope the podcast where we shut it down we're just a couple of New York Jews Talking about the news Beating back the blues We made a podcast and here's why Had to laugh so we don't cry Come and join us for the ride Welcome to Okay, Rachel, we had a, a shock just now For the first time ever I think this is a new feature in Zoom where when you start a recording, it says this recording has started and it totally took us like it, <laughs> it really was very jarring. It was and a it's shock like... to the system. I'm, I have the vapors now. Like, I don't know what <laughs> I to know. Do. I know. I'm like, I need like a fainting couch. I thought we had like a third <laughs> member of the podcast and it was the I was like, who is this person? It's like a woman saying the recording has started. It's so weird. <laughs> like, I don't need to know that. Like, thank you. Like, clearly, I see the like the red dot on the left hand i think it's to to prevent like surreptitious recording of things like you don't know you're being recorded but right there's a little red dot and that should be enough rachel how was your week nothing really special happened to me i've been working so hard but but you've been back and forth i've been like back and forth out and about today was like a very eventful day because um AJ had his first guitar lesson. Oh my I have God. to send you pictures. It was very cute. And then I made plans to go see our my friend, our friend, Katie Rossman, just got a puppy last week named Gertie, who is the cutest puppy. She is a um a miniature golden doodle and she has little white paws and she's brown and she's adorable. And, you know, I showed AJ a picture and he was like, we got to go. So <laughs> Coco was being crazy today. She like wouldn't go to the bathroom. So I was running late and I was like, you know, Katie, maybe we won't come. And then like AJ was crying because he really wanted to come and we were running so late and I felt bad, but we went anyway and it was amazing. And I have some great pictures of Gertie that I posted on Instagram. And like Gertie has set Instagram on fire. Like people are <laughs> direct messaging me. They're jealous. They want to meet Gertie too. And Gertie now has her own Instagram account. So um, I recommend that everybody follow her at Gertie Gert Boss. <laughs> wait, wait, you buried the lead here. Why is this dog's name Gertie? That's such a strange name. Is it's, it named after Galloping Gertie, the the bridge that famously? Buckled in the Tacoma Narrows in the oh, 19 I didn't know whatever. That. I never heard yeah, of that. Yeah, it was called no, Galloping I thought, Gertie. 
I asked them and I thought it was because of, um, I thought it might've been that they were big fans of E.T. You know, um, Drew Barrymore played a character named Gertie in that movie. Oh, I don't remember that girl. was her name. Yeah. So I thought maybe it was based on that, but no, it was just, you know, they liked the name Gertrude and they just started saying Gertie and it was cute. And it is a really cute name for a puppy. And this puppy is just freaking adorable. So um, everyone follow Gertie on Instagram. (laughs) Don't take the bridge though. Buckle and collapse. Okay. Um, Rachel, let's go right into the start of the nopes. This is the dry heaves. This is the dry heaves. We we all know what it is. The remnants. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So last week we asked how Matt Gates is still in Congress. And this week we asked the same question, except it's about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who we haven't discussed in a few weeks because she usually like doesn't warrant discussion. She's, and just, she's, bl- she's just blended into the background of horribleness, right? Like- yeah. Yeah. She's she's horrific. You, you may recall she's that QAnon congresswoman from Georgia. She had an affair with a tantric sex guru. I think that's the last <laughs> hey, time we talked the, about her. That's, that's the least of her sins. Like, if that's right. all she did, God bless then, her. Like, right. To each right. her own. <laughs> and she said that climate change was the result of Jewish space lasers controlled by George Soros and the Rothschilds. But this week, she really outdid herself. Um So we, before I get into what she did, I just want to say that we here at NOPE have some common sense guidelines about using the Holocaust as a metaphor. And those guidelines don't (laughs) just don't, it shouldn't be used as a metaphor unless maybe you're talking about another actual genocide. It's just an easy rule of thumb, right? But no, remember, yeah, there's no nuance there. (laughs) But Marjorie Taylor Greene is out there talking and tweeting about how companies who are requiring employees to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination are like the Nazis who forced Jewish people to wear a gold star. Okay, that's what she said this week. Let's unpack this for a second. (laughs) Companies requiring employees to show proof of COVID-19 vaccinations are not at all like Nazis in various ways. First of all, (laughs) showing proof of vaccination is what will allow these employees to go to work and earn money, whereas Jews... And and live... (laughs) And live (laughs) as opposed to Jews in Nazi Germany who had to wear a gold star so that people could block them from participation. Actually, and actually, it was a yellow star. The gold star is what we wear around our necks. It was a yellow star, famously, right? Right. Yellow badge. A yellow badge, right? Right. Second of all, nobody is forcing any of these people to get vaccinated. They are just saying, if you are not vaccinated, (laughs) you cannot come to the office. Finally, nobody in these companies is actively trying to kill the people with the proof of vaccination papers. Quite to the contrary, the unvaccinated people may kill the most vulnerable people in our community. Save save lives, not exterminate them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Such as, you know, cancer patients who are too immunocompromised to get the vaccine. And finally, you don't have to wear your vaccination status like a (laughs) yellow badge. You can just keep it in your briefcase or on your phone. And show it on demand. Yes. So this analogy is like completely just bonkers and intended to provoke. And what is the Republicans reaction to any of this? It's been pretty much nothing. 
after a week of radio silence, as Marjorie Taylor Greene continues to make various statements invoking the Holocaust. Last week, for example, she said that Nancy Pelosi's insistence that lawmakers get vaccinated before she lifts the mask requirement in the House was like how Jews were put in trains <laughs> and taken to the gas chambers. It's Does exactly Mar- like that. I'm glad someone <laughs> finally told it like it is. Does she know what the gas chambers were? (laughs) Being forced to wear a mask is like being forced to board a train to go to a gas chamber. Like, it's insane. So, okay, so she says this and there's no reaction until earlier this week when House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy put out a statement saying that Marjorie Taylor Greene is wrong. But, oh, look over there at these Democrats with their anti-Semitism. So... Classic whataboutism, all words, no action. She should be expelled from Congress. And so a petition to expel her from Congress has gotten over 130,000 signatures, to which Marjorie Taylor Greene responded by saying that Internet petitions are unconstitutional because they did not (laughs) they didn't exist in 1776. (laughs) To which I say, neither did electricity. (laughs) Neither did women in Congress. So she should just resign, right? I mean, well, and even like I I don't know the legal nuances of expelling someone from Congress, but they can certainly expel her from the the Republican conference, which is like participation in the Republican Party within Congress, which is totally within their right to do. Basically, saying like. You could be a congressperson, but you're not a Republican because right. we're not calling you that, right? But they won't even do that. And they went like, I think it was five days without saying anything. That's saying then, a word. And then McCarthy came out with some kind of tepid, anodyne statement saying like, whatever, which she says, we t- we detest these words. But of course, it was nothing about actual the actual speaker of those words. It was just, you know... It was just like these words, like like (laughs) these words in the air, like that were uttered by somebody that shall not be named. Yeah. So nope to all these people. They're disgusting. I I can't like I'm I'm just glad you raised it. Like there's really nothing funny in there, but I'm glad you raised it. Like we this has to be spoken of and it has to be noped and shut down. And I'm just I, I am very afraid about these um Republican efforts to shut down the January 6th commission because we need a thorough investigation and they are just trying to block it. They're saying it's too soon. And and they say we need to move forward. We shouldn't look back. What is a commission? (laughs) Are we supposed to look at events that are happening in the future? (laughs) Let's forget about everything that happened as of a day ago. Let's just wipe our memories and and go into a wormhole. Like what the fuck? Well, so um, let me let me just get on my soapbox here. You are no longer if you are a Republican or thinking of voting Republican in the in the congressional elections, the midterms, eighteen months from now, you cannot say I don't like Marjorie Taylor Greene, but I'm going to vote for the Republicans. If you vote for Republican, you are voting for Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes, she is the Republican Party. She is the center of it. She is the heart of it. So, okay. So nope to Marjorie Taylor Greene and this entire shit show of a party. But let's let's look at um, the Senate now. (laughs) Much better. (laughs) Much better. The anti-maskers in the Senate, notably Rand Paul of Kentucky. A doctor. Um, A doctor, no less. How is that possible that he's a doctor? How like 
what kind of medical degrees are being conferred on idiots in this country? So so this week, Rand Paul said that he was going to skip the vaccine. And he also received, um, subsequent to that, a mysterious package that was sent to his home containing white powder that was later found to not be dangerous at I all. Didn't know, I didn't of, know about this story. This must was this did this get big headlines? Because I haven't been not, well, you know, things get big headlines and then they just die, right. you know, like that's why, that's why people listen to Nope. We, that's we're not, why we're not we a news are... podcast, but we selectively choose the most entertaining <laughs> items. We're performing a vital service for <laughs> democracy. So, you know, whether the two events are related that he said he's skipping the vaccine and the white powder coming to his house or, you know, it's anybody's guess. I think probably related, but Rand Paul says someone else is responsible. He knows he knows who did this oh he knows and, who and it's a very surprising person it's a surprising culprit <laughs> it is 1980s pop singer richard marks the writer of hits like don't mean nothing <laughs> um well there's a reference to cocaine in that song so maybe maybe that's true and okay. right and right here waiting that wonderful ballad and right here waiting beautiful ballad yeah, so was, wait so what wait, wait what was the connection well i so actually I'll believe it or not you. wait wait i follow richard marks on twitter when i was able to see twitter uh he's actually like a really you're still good... deplatformed oh no by i the can't way. see twitter anymore no <laughs> i cannot figure it out have but... you tried even to figure I, it out I, i've very little time i'm enjoying my life without twitter briefly you, okay you you you, you Fill me in on the important parts. I do miss Richard Marx's tweets. Um, I've offered to like help intervene to the extent I'm able, but um, I don't know if a, you, have holiday, avail- a- you haven't availed yourself of my <laughs> there's, connection. There's a, hol- there's a holiday weekend coming up. I'll find okay. time in it. And to Richard Marx, I say, I'm right here waiting for you when yes. I get back. Yeah. So wait, exactly. why does he think it's Richard Marx? <laughs> so exactly. Back to the point. So, <laughs> so Richard Marx had tweeted this week that he wants to buy drinks for Rand Paul's neighbor who um you i think we talked yeah, about yeah, this yeah, on the yeah, podcast he he tackled <laughs> he tackled Rand paul back in 2017 over some kind of property dispute um i'm sure Rand paul is like the worst neighbor on earth <laughs> but so richard marx's tweet so he richard marx says i want to buy drinks for Rand paul's neighbor and the tweet was deleted for violating Twitter's rules about glorification of violence. And I just fail to see how offering to buy someone drinks is glorification of violence. Like someone once sent a tweet containing a photograph of me superimposed on the head of like a KKK grandmaster. (laughs) And that was not considered glorification of violence. So I don't understand how this is. But anyway, Rand Paul is running with this theory about Richard Marx being like a violence glorifier. And he said in a statement to Politico that it is reprehensible that Twitter allows C-list celebrities to encourage violence against me and my family. Just this weekend, Richard Marks (laughs) called for violence against me. And now we receive this powder filled letter. First of all, Twitter does not allow does not allow the celebrities to encourage violence because they took down his tweet. And why? I mean, I just don't see the the connection there. So Richard Marks also was confused by this. And he said in a response 
to this right wing Twitter user named Robbie Starbuck. <laughs> yeah, Robbie, I'm the only person on Twitter who's ever referenced Rand Paul's neighbor. Must have been me. This was also a day after that traitor made a public showing of refusing the vaccine. Also, you're a grown man still using Robbie. So I'm not surprised you're an <laughs> idiot. That's why I follow him on Twitter. He's That's why I amazing. like Richard Marks. He's yeah. amazing. So nope to Robbie Starbuck. Nope to Rand Paul. But yep to Richard Marks. Yeah. Join us. Richard Marks. Come back. You're love, ready. We're ready come for on a the comeback. Yeah. The, the, the concert venues are opening again. Do a comeback tour. I'll be the first to buy tickets. Kick it off with this podcast, right? Yes. Announce. Yes, we are here. We are right here waiting for you, Richard Marks. Um, Brian, <laughs> okay. I'm going to reach out to his publicist. And oh. you know what? The worst they could say is no. And that's fine. And I don't people I, say no to us. We make this whole podcast about saying nope. So let so, them say it to us. But we're, yeah, we have thick skin. We're open to that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we welcome the rejection. OK, <laughs> do you have any more dry heaves? <laughs> I have no more dry heaves. I am. I am totally clear. So you, <laughs> your, your bile ducts are devoid of. <laughs> There's nothing left, so go on. (laughs) Okay, so you remember like much earlier when we were doing this podcast, we would do all these stories and we would say they're personal and yet global. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I have one. I miss that. I miss that. Okay, go on. Yeah, the good old the good old days are back. So, um, (laughs) so I uh, the other weekend I didn't have a personal story, but I guess this is one, except it doesn't really have a beginning, middle, and an end. Um, So I went shopping for jeans as part of like opening up the world. And you know, I've lost a bunch of weight during COVID, so I was so psyched I got to size down a few sizes of jeans. Oh wow! And I and I have these jeans that I love from Seven for All Mankind. So I went to the store in Soho and I went and sure enough, I sized down three sizes and there's this particular style I like and they're a little skinny genie, a little stretchy and I wore them at the store. I love them. I put them on. I, I had them altered. I picked them up and all I could say is that they're really skinny and that really? although my although my waistline has shrunk, my calves and my legs have not <laughs> so wait so brian you're having like a pandy glow up what is that <laughs> a pandy glow up like a pandemic glow up oh yes i guess so yeah well i'm out of proportion now the other is interesting thing about this these jeans is that there's like a gap at the zipper at the top like where the button is and the zipper comes all the way to the top it never fully goes all the way up like there's a little like spot there and oh. I always thought it was because like uh, the jeans were the old jeans the bigger ones even those were like a little tight on me and maybe I was like pushing against the waistband or something like that um, and I was so excited to have jeans that fit and that they would no longer have the thing and then when I tried them on in the store uh, they still had the little gap and I'm like, oh. what gives? And I asked the store guy and he's like, oh, no, they, they all have that. And he lifted up his shirt and showed me that he has. Why do the they thing. all have that? I don't know. Is it, the... a, is it a bug or a feature? And people are always saying to me, like, your, <laughs> your fly is down. It's and a it's feature. Not. It's it's a provocation. It's, it's like a, right. It's like here's a little tease. It could go down a like centimeter. A <laughs> it's like a wink. <laughs> like, okay, well that's my personal story, and it got me onto the fact that the perils of skinny jeans that I ex- experienced one of them. They are now influencing world events. So it's not just me. <laughs> okay. How, um, how so? Skinny jeans have now been banned officially by the state of North Korea by Kim Jong Un. He said it is one of several decadent Western fashion trends that must be stamped out. 
um, before they influenced the good people of North Korea. So he banned skinny jeans, he banned ripped jeans, he banned slogan t-shirts, and he banned nose and lip piercings. Okay. Furthermore, he took aim at the hairstyles of the young North Koreans. He decided that there would only be 15 official, quote, non-socialist haircuts. <laughs> oh, no. Do they all have to have his haircut? Because his haircut is like a war crime. Famously, like famously bad. Um, but I guess it's one of the 15 socialists. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, 15. It's one of the 15 non-socialists. No, he approved 15 i don't know there's only 15 haircuts he approve of which seems like so a you lot have for to me. go through like a catalog and be like i'll have the <laughs> it makes it very easy kim jong-un <laughs> yes exactly and it specifically singles out it bans mullets spiky hair and dyed hair and any other styles that bear quote the yellow wind of capitalism Wait, I'm so confused, but doesn't he have spiky hair? Like his hair is kind no, of like... No, it's more like a... It's not a spiky. It's more like a puff. It's like a puff of hair. <laughs> okay. Like a tuft of hair. Okay. Um, but can't that be confused with the spike? Like, you know... I don't know. There just... must be some sort of definition. I mean, the thing is, you don't want to test out that definition. if Given the way things are there, if you get any haircut other than Kim Jong-un, I wouldn't want to risk and ask, is it a spiky haircut? Is it not? Because if it's not, <laughs> they put you in front of a cannon and kill you. Yeah, you don't so want to walk up to the edge. That is, that is not the hill I want to die on. It's like <laughs> no. spiky hair. Um, but there's a good quote from him um, that he told the Rondong Sinmun newspaper. He said, we must be wary of even the slightest sign of the capitalistic lifestyle and fight to get rid of them. History teaches us a crucial lesson that a country can become vulnerable and eventually collapse like a damp wall, regardless of its economic and defense power, if we do not hold on to our own lifestyle. My real problem here is the use of the metaphor of a damp wall. A damp wall. <laughs> like, so it, I've experienced damp walls and they <laughs> have never fallen. Speaking as an expert in damp <laughs> walls, maybe it was your – why was it damp? Did you have a spiky haircut? <laughs> You walked in, this, you walked in, the walls haircut. dampened and started to collapse with the yellow wind of capitalism. Because I wore skinny jeans. No, so, I mean, I had a damp wall because there was like a leak in the, in the roof of the building and I'm on the top floor. And so there was a damp wall, but did the whole, <laughs> did the apartment collapse? No. No, we just had to get it repainted. It's not right, and it's, regardless of its economic and defense power, so we're saying even if we have nuclear weapons, we can also not have spiky hair because we cannot have nice things. There you go. I I mean I kind of agree with him <laughs> about mullets and skinny jeans. I think like those things can go. I I won't miss them, you know. I, but I, I also mean, don't really understand like in North Korea. Are people really sporting those kind of styles? I think what, like, there was another part of this article where it started out because he's very scared of K-pop because K-pop is infiltrating. Oh, and yeah. that's sort of introducing Western styles to the masses oh, and so forth. K-pop is so subversive. I love it. I yeah. love it too. And yes. all sorts of hairstyles. Spiky. Oh my God, bring it on. <laughs> the one thing I think he should have singled out if he's really going against, you know, the the decadence is frosted tips right like oh, yeah. he, like he should just ban the in sync right 
look. Well, that's kind of old, but yeah, I mean, if it's if it's coming back, it needs to be um, rooted out and like <laughs> at the, died at the roots. <laughs> yes, just yeah. Okay, no, it is coming back. It is okay. Okay, yeah. well, just like just like skinny jeans are going out, frosted tips are coming. This is enough about this. Nope to North nope. Korea's dress code. I don't like any country that wear has what a dress you code. want, do what you feel, and you know live your truth. And That's how we are. Put that gel in your hair and spike it up. Spike it up. Okay, nope to that. So um, I like that we talked about Richard Marks, '80s pop star, because I'm about to talk about another '80s pop star and '70s and a little bit of the '90s. But I'll bury the lead for a second. I'll tell you about this. So this is a story about a woman named Kay Tucker, who works in San Antonio in some mid-level bureaucratic job, and she oversaw like the the Alamo complex where there's some like tourist attractions when you go visit the Alamo. And Mm -hmm. in 2014, going a ways back, the Alamo was in crisis. There was bad attendance. The average time that people spent in the museum was 10 minutes, disappointing exhibits. Yeah, they were going to close it. They were going to close it, right. And so they decided to give her a budget to sort of revamp it and sex it up. And they gave her $6.5 million budget. And that obviously is not enough to really do it. Yeah, to do a like state of the art thing, right? Okay. And she realized that. The problem was not the building. She really needed more interesting items to display. So she did some research about where are some more interesting Alamo artifacts. It turns out that the world's largest collection of Alamo memorabilia is owned by none other than Phil Collins. Really? <laughs> like in the air Genesis. tonight? Like- <laughs> the Alamo is in the air tonight. <laughs> It has an invisible touch. Um, oh, my God. So it turned out that luckily, <laughs> Phil Collins, she figured out somehow, was he's also going through a terrible divorce, like was running out of room in his Swiss villa and was looking for a museum to donate his Alamo memorabilia to. What oh, could possibly go wrong? supply and demand. <laughs> That's right. per- a perfect market. It's a, right. It's a perfectly fluid market. Um <laughs> So somehow, don't ask how this happened, this mid-level bureaucrat in Texas wrangled having dinner with Phil Collins. In Switzerland? No, at the Hyatt Regency <laughs> in San Antonio. <laughs> so Phil Collins came to San Antonio. I guess he, he, he likes the Alamo. Oh, yeah. right. He visits the Alamo. That's right. Actually, they, they, they met at a, Mex- a Tex-Mex restaurant called El Mirador. Why? Isn't Phil Collins British? Yes. So, what, like, what is it about the Alamo that has like set his world on fire? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So, she's at this very awkward dinner with. Oh, she got there through a connection with some guy who runs a souvenir shop at the Alamo. <laughs> right, so, so, here she is sitting at El Mirador Tex-Mex restaurant with a guy who owns a souvenir shop and Phil Collins. <laughs> So at the very end of the dinner, she's totally nervous because she's a big Phil Collins fan, irrespective of of his Alamo, right? The guy, the the souvenir shop guy goes, um, Kay, is there anything you want to ask Phil? And then she nervously pops the question, would he consider giving them his collection? Um, And he said, and this is a quote, I don't even think y'all would want it. Where would you put it? 
and there's a y'all in there. And given that he's from England, I'm not sure why he said y'all, but I don't even he think he was y'all trying to be, yeah, he folksy, was trying to invoke. Folksy, yeah. Right. I don't even think y'all would want it. Where would you put it? And then she told him that she's building a big museum, which is not quite yet true. So uh-huh. she's sort of, you know. They should have the Phil Collins wing of the Well, Elmo. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And then <laughs> Phil's response was, I feel like a dog with two tails, which she didn't know what it meant. She didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. But it turns out that that's a British good thing. That means you're super happy. So, Oh, because the two tails are wagging. At I the guess, same time, I yeah. Guess. Okay. okay the, I was thinking you're the like dog a dog person. I don't. Have no the, idea. I was thinking a dog with a head that's a tail and a tail that's a tail. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. This is not the point of the story. Um, so they signed a contract, and the problem <laughs> is that no one bothered to take a close look at Phil Collins's artifacts to see if they were actual, actually authentic. And once some historians or archaeologists, whatever, began to sus- looked at them, they began to suspect that they were maybe not. And wow. the, the main item here was a knife that he had bought for $1.5 million. Who knew? <laughs> now, I, you sent me this article, and I think you just saw the headline and sent it to me. And I thought it was yeah. going to be like one of these quick, funny New York Post blurbs. This was like a 5,000-word article in Texas Monthly. No, I knew it was long, <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's why, why I sent, sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> And by the time I hit a few paragraphs, I'm like, wait, how long is this? And I start scrolling. I'm like, holy shit. I'm never going to read this whole <laughs> it's thing. It's a metaphor. It's like Phil Collins <laughs> giving this museum all of this okay, fake I'm going to fast forward through 4,000 words of like, they go through each artifact and like the different scholarly opinions about it. But yeah, so what happened? Did he intentionally buy fake stuff? Was he bamboozled? No, was he, was he... Ba- he was bamboozled and wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Okay, I guess if you're just like spending 1.5 million dollars on a knife, like it's nothing. You you're not right. paying attention. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So fast forward, then some years later, there was a public announcement of a new museum that was going to cost to house these artifacts of unknown provenance. That was going to cost 450 million dollars <laughs> to house these probably counterfeit Alamo knives. <laughs> But it seems they couldn't really deliver on that budget or that promise either. So in last year, in 2020, things started dragging on and Phil Collins began to get agitated. And you do not want Phil Collins agitated. And he wrote, I don't want my collection sitting in boxes in a basement. This is the situation now, it seems. I realize there are more pressing things on your list. But on my list, my hard-earned collection is important to me. Please let me know the situation, dot, dot, dot. The real, all caps, real situation. So um, finally, they put five items on display with the placard that says to glimpse a selection of priceless artifacts graciously gifted to the state of Texas by musician and historian Phil Collins. So this was just a little trailer, a little sampler of five items. Okay. With a, with a plaque. He's a historian too? They said musician and historian. <laughs> historian. <laughs> why does he get it? Why does he get that title? He's not a historian. historian. I don't know. 
I lost interest at some point. The la- the end of this is that there was an announcement like very recently that the state is now actually committing itself to fund $300 million facility for a 24,000 square foot building to put these artifacts in. And they still don't know if they're real. If they're real. <laughs> So. Why I don't so I don't see how it went from like she has like a six point five million dollar budget to like three hundred million dollars. <laughs> Once like, Phil why? Collins gets involved, big things happen. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, can't you build a really nice museum for like under a hundred million dollars? There's a whole politics like the Land Survey Board of Texas and George P. Bush was like the land com- the Attorney General, Land Commissioner of Texas. There's a whole schmagoo. Anyone who wants to read it, I recommend the Pulitzer Worthy well, Journalism. Okay, we'll, Texas we'll link Monthly. to it in the show <laughs> notes. Because I ain't going to read the whole thing. It all gets a nope. Phil Collins, if you're going to buy all those memorabilia, make sure it's right. Don't buy a $1.5 million knife. And you don't need a $300 million museum to put this it in. This is the problem. This is really like the excess of our society on display, you know? Yeah. Think of how many hungry mouths you could feed with whatever with Phil Collins spent knife. on that collection. <laughs> with on the one knife. Bogus knife. Like really? Phil Collins? No. No. Absolutely not. He should write an album about being bamboozled. <laughs> about the Alamo. Remember about the, the Alamo. Alamo. <laughs> so weird. Uh, it, it should be called I'd like to forget the Alamo, but I can't. Oh, touche. Okay. Nope. Let's move on. Rachel, okay. You have some more. Okay. So there have been some big animal stories in the news that I oh, think we I love need to address. We love an animal story. So the CDC this week issued a stern warning. Don't kiss or snuggle your ducks and chickens. Okay, so a lot of people have been getting cozy with their chickens. They're, you know, (laughs) in the pandemic, they're getting chickens for the backyard. Remember the Meghan Markle Oprah interview with Prince Harry and they had all those chickens? I just fitted a Julian and Kate. They have chickens. They gave us They have chickens. I think um, our cousins, Jay and Tony have chickens. Stacy and Chris. Chris. Yeah, Yeah, so we we know a lot of, um, you know, people chicken keepers so but there's chickens and then there's bacteria and the chickens bring the bacteria and by the middle of december 2020 there had been more than 1700 salmonella infections in the u.s and the cdc said that contact with backyard poultry was the source of these outbreaks so sure this makes sense no snuggling with the chickens like how this is not a sacrifice you can have the chickens you can appreciate them you can look at them don't kiss them don't snuggle it's not that hard. But you can't even no. hold them. Or you can't even hold them because it can be transmitted. Well, yeah. Well, if you or... hold them for more than four minutes, you're supposed to wash your hands. It's you know, it's common sense, right? Don't right. like eat on the chicken. And one, also, like... one one thing leads to another. You're snuggling it. Next things you know, it's you're kissing it. Heavy you're petting. It. There's all kinds <laughs> yes. of things that happen. Right. So you know, on, in this momentous week in America. Tucker Carlson could not abide this um, CDC infringement on people's freedom to snuggle with their poultry. So he (laughs) devoted a segment on his show, the most watched cable news program in the U.S., to a woman who calls herself a chicken enthusiast. 
she brought a rooster on the show named Bad Boy Halo that she was kissing and snuggling before the national cable audience. And you may ask, who is this woman? Where did he find this person? Well, her name is Tiara Solaim, and she is the chicken enthusiast from The Bachelor who was eliminated in the first episode of season 20 a few years ago. So I have a clip. Let's hear what she had to say. Tara Solem is the chicken enthusiast you just saw. We're happy to have her on tonight. Tara, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, what, oh that's a, that's a good-looking bird. Me. So how do you... It feels like you've been singled out by the CDC for criticism. How does that feel? You know, I'm not a huge fan of it because I've been handling chickens since I was about four years old, and I've been kissing them, snuggling them, shoving my face in them, and... I'm fine, people around me are fine, and I don't see a problem with it. I mean, people, you're living the way people used to live. I mean, human beings have a long history with poultry. It's a domesticated animal, right? Why yeah. do you think there's, there's the concern now? Why, why are they coming after you now, the CDC? I think that maybe they're just looking for something else to control, and I'm not a huge yeah. fan, and I don't support yeah. it. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep loving on my birds and showing them my affection. Okay. She loves her chickens. She, okay. Keep kissing those birds. And, you know, if you I just, get I just have to say, Salmonella. Tucker Carlson has one hell of a booker. Like, how do they get, yeah. the, how do they find these guests, track them down? Like, that woman deserves a, a bigger, bigger stage, a bigger platform. Like, <laughs> it's like, what, like minute thing can we feature on the show this week to distract well, from the garbage well, fire? Also, that's also in the poke in the eye of the CDC because they don't yep. want any public health constraining any of our sacred liberties, you know, right. including right. our ability. It's part of that. It's it's a, another assault against, like, the CDC. And, you know, it's all part and parcel of his, like, antipathy for vaccinations and masks and all that. So okay, keep so that's kissing a no. those birds. But that's have, absolutely not. you have more animals? Stuff? Yeah, so I want to go back to Texas for a minute. Like, <laughs> this <laughs> is Alamo. not about the Alamo, but it's close. So over the weekend, a, um, a Texas woman hopped over a barrier at the El Paso Zoo to enter the facility's spider monkey enclosure. And you may ask, why did she do this? <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> why, did, why did she do this? <laughs> the answer is clear. She wanted to feed the monkey, the two monkeys, Libby and Sunday, flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> Wait. So, was it yes. like an experiment? Was it torture? Was it because she thought they would like them? But I think she did it for the gram, honestly. Like she like was wearing this cute little outfit. She like wades into the water and she's just like hanging out under this like enclosure with a waterfall and she's feeding the the monkeys flaming hot Cheetos. Okay. So and and someone was taking video, which was shared on Instagram, and it got like millions of views, and it it shows the woman hanging out with these monkeys. And the zookeeper, this guy named Mason Kleist, was furious. Um, he said the woman put herself in harm's way by entering the habitat. He said they may be small monkeys, but they can take you to the ground if they wanted to. Sure, of course they could. They're, you know, <laughs> monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> They're strong. So, but even worse, she inflicted gastrointestinal distress on the monkeys and also exposed them to COVID. The <laughs> monkeys can get COVID. 
and she, and she destroyed the trust that had been built between the zookeeper oh, and the monkeys over the, the past five part, years. Because you yes. can easily rebuild a gastrointestinal tract, but you, it's very hard to rebuild trust. It's very hard to rebuild <laughs> trust. So I think there should be a new rule. Like, first of all, like this article <laughs> Wait, did not a, There mean, are already enough rules prohibiting. Well, no. You shouldn't need a new rule to prohibit what that was. No, the, this is a rule about the, the consequences for this okay. behavior. Okay. First of all, like this article did not name this woman. And why not? Out of respect for her privacy? Like, <laughs> no, she was a grown ass woman. If you do something like this, you absolutely should be named and shamed. It should be mandatory. And second of all, if you cross over a barrier and feed animals at the zoo, you should be forced to stay in a cage at that <laughs> zoo for an entire week while people observe you. And force right? fed and force fed whatever you fed the animals. Yes. Flaming hot Cheetos. A diet of nothing but flaming hot Cheetos. I yes. love this. You right? should rewrite you should rewrite our penal code or at least start <laughs> at least start zoo penal code. Call me. <laughs> Department of Justice. <laughs> Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland has impaneled a commission to study the penal code. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I could come up with all sorts of creative punishments <laughs> that are not cruel and unusual, but are actually make a lot of sense. And yeah. this is one of them. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so no, still, still have spots <laughs> open at the Justice Department. So go ahead. I'm okay. qualified. Okay. Nope on that. I've had enough. Uh, let's do some yapsies, a little raise the light, the little beacons of hope that got us of the week. Rachel. Oh, I see you have an interesting one. I've been yes. by this. Yeah. Yes, my my up goes to Halston on Netflix. More Netflix content. We love Netflix. Um, and this one I have actually a personal relationship to because my good friend Shelby Siegel, uh, the wife of Mike Solba, who has been a guest on this podcast, she actually edited the show. Oh. Um, and it's a Ryan Murphy production about the 1970s designer Halston. He's, you know, a very vapid man and a drug addict played by Ewan McGregor, who is excellent, but looks nothing like Halston. Oh, it's like a fictionalized Ryan Murphy thing. It's not a doc. No, it's not a doc. No, it's okay. like a, it's a drama. Yeah. Um, but the show is beautifully edited, thanks to Shelby. And it really captures this mood of like 1970s glitter and glamour. And it's the perfect thing to watch as we reintegrate into society, reminding us of the days when people used to congregate unmasked at Studio 54 and Bianca Jagger would come riding in on a horse. And it's just <laughs> fabulous. You know, it just it just makes you it makes you feel like you've gone out dancing without actually leaving your house which is my favorite thing so <laughs> well very good i'm looking forward to that i have an adjacent yup which we didn't coordinate um, oh. i too am looking forward to going into crowded unmasked spaces and dancing with wild abandon which is why i'm giving my <laughs> yup to the app bands in town which has been around for a long time and i've always oh. used and it just it like reads your spotify or your whatever and it knows what bands you like and then it shows you a feed of like who's coming to town and when and you can get push notifications so you can get tickets you can buy tickets through it so you don't have to you say like oh what are the concerts for the summer you could just scroll through it and i uninstalled it at the pandemic because i who needs it right? right and i said i began to see some murmurings of shows coming up and i said wait a minute let me see if bands in town is like up and hopping and sure enough i'm scrolling there's all kinds of shows i want to see so uh one of my projects for this weekend is i'm going to go on a ticket buying binge i'm going to buy anything and everything that has the slightest bit of interest to me and i'm just oh. going to go live music wild this summer awesome 
Great. Well, if there's anything that may appeal to me, please let me know. And I would love to accompany. I will. Oh, you know what you might like? I'm going to go. I want to go see Hall and Oates and Squeeze on a double bill. You would go to that with me, right? Hell yes. Hall and Oates, hit makers. At Jones Jones Beach, our childhood signature beach. Oh my God. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we're in. Okay, good. On that very happy note, uh, let's wrap this up. It's been a terrible week god but thank you for listening i mean if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate subscribe review we love those great reviews only the five stars please or better yet tell, tell someone a friend in yeah in person you know people take are coming off out of your mask show. we have and... a, a, a big fan of ours who um stopped listening because she didn't have a commute she stopped going into the office and she was home with childcare and she wasn't really listening to podcasts. And she told me today she started coming into the office, said one of the things she was most excited about was that she would be able to pick up Nope again now that she had a subway ride to be able to do it. Wow. That that makes this all worthwhile. <laughs> that that alone. It. Okay. I think I said this already, but it's been a terrible week and it's still been a fun podcast to record. Thank you for listening. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. <laughs> <laughs>